how it started. Oh, you want to do that? How it started. I'm the smartest man alive in March. And then May hits and you're in the bottom 10% of a couple of your redraft and keeper leagues. Let's talk it out. Let's talk the surf league. It's time for dingers. This is dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Larry Walker that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined, as always, by Robbie from the Murder Room. Robbie, how we doing tonight? How's it going, eh? Eh, you know, uh, here in the Great White North. Um, you know, Larry Walker, real homage, Hall of Famer, uh, very Canadian, very maple syrupy. Uh, we're going to get into some Canadian content for you this evening and how it pertains to fancy baseball. Um, but, you know, in proper Canadian format, I think probably we might as well go right to it. Uh, Let's do it. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. I'm going to double down, Rob, because I poured a um, fairly thick glass in in the previous episode, and we're doing two recordings this evening, um, for those of you that are listening back-to-back here. Um... And and so I didn't quite finish the first class of a very heavy pour. Okay. I'm down on my Woodford here, uh, just to keep it consistent because I don't want to mix bourbons in my glass. Interesting. Uh, I am beer drinking tonight, and I have gone to Erie PA for the Yingling Lager traditional. Um, I mentioned on a previous podcast I had my sister go out of her way to pick this up for me, and she mentioned it too many times about how I had asked her for this epic favor to pick up beer in America so she could come to visit me in Canada. And um I thought this was the appropriate episode to break it out. So there we go. I am yinglinging it tonight. But um off the hop tie, we've got two topics before we dive in. And one of them's directly related. But the first topic is um the Otani rule. Now our our topic off the hop tonight is the surf draft in the part of the league or sorry, the Earth League, which is um, several 150 total uh, industry, fantasy baseball industry dudes um, from all over America. And dudettes, for the record. Dudes and dudettes, correct. My apologies. Um, And um, the Earth League has the Surf League, which is CERF, which is the Canadian division of that, uh, of which we are rocking it. And... um, can I make a really quick comment on that? Just yep. in the standings that they put together last week in terms of league standings, we were league third, standings. right beside, beside turf. And I don't know if you saw that. 
both like they were meant to be together surf, surf and, and turf, turf. uh sorry just i don't know if that went unnoticed because i didn't see anybody talk about it you also apologized fell. in saying that which is super canadian so good for yeah. you on brand. Um, 100 percent. yeah so what i wanted to talk about was not not nfbc that website yet because we do have an absolute 100 fault in nfbc and if you guys are listening you, you need to fix it but the first thing is that i want to talk about was fan tracks uh home of the best dynasty baseball and fan tracks on april 11th which was when the season had already started, but had just started the first week in all your head to heads was still going unless you were in something really complex. And in all your roto leagues that had just started, they, they made t- essentially the Otani button. They figured out a way that you can use Shohei Otani as he is meant to be made. And if you're looking here on the live stream, you'll see up above me is the one and only MVP Shohei Otani right beside, um, glass now who is made of glass now we know that and then uh the goat depoto but otani would have to be selected on fan tracks and cbs and nfbc and everywhere else except yahoo um he would have to be either in your hitting lineup or pitching lineup and if you play daily you would only lose the the hitting on the day in which he pitched and you could put him in there or not it was your choice on Yahoo, he was two players, their pitcher Otani, the hitter Otani. Then everyone said how stupid it was that Yahoo did that. However, as a guy who rosters Yahoo in our, or we use Yahoo for our home league, I roster both the hitter and the pitcher. At least I never missed out on one or the other the days that he started. Well, Fantrax was like, you know what? Let's just make this a thing. You can now put Otani at either a utility spot, and he will also get his pitching stats in addition to the hitting, or you can put him at a, an SP spot or pitching spot, depending on your league setup, and he will also get those um, DH or utility uh, hits for you. So you get Otani, two Otanis, one position, and I thought that was great. So in the leagues in which I'm a commissioner or the sole commissioner, like the the Dingers Listener League, I just put it in. I it was a, it was available. That's what Otani does. That's what makes him special. Boom! I accepted it. I did it in our big money league that we play in, I mentioned it to the commissioners of which I am one, one of three commissioners. And then I just waited. Cause it's like, it's not my, I, I have him. I roster him in that league. Um, I can't push to say, can you guys make a, a decision on this? And it took a full four weeks before the guys finally got around to discussing it. And then there were two other items that had been initially put up in, in early April, that they were like, why don't we just do all this now? And I said, on the two other non-Otani things, yes, it's your, your choice for you two, because I have Otani. You, but you make the choice this year for the rest of Otani's career, because we can't do it and then take it back. So yeah. even though I have him this year and for the contracts league this year and next, I, I'll just abstain. You guys sort it out. Well, they did, and they're like, I think it's fine. So they're going to put that Otani button in. Well, they mentioned it, and like two dudes freaked out as if somehow there was a fix in that it's not fair that Otani, the baseball player, fantasy baseball player, who is a hitter and is elite and is a pitcher and is elite, that it's not okay for him to take up one roster spot. And some other people eventually chimed in and said, well, he should just be taking up two roster spots, which then makes two Otanis, right? Which is what Yahoo does. And I said, that's not an option. Um, But I'm curious, Ty, you're in that league, but I'm just curious how you feel overall about the idea that right now, at this point in time, I only know of two players who have position eligibility as a hitter 
and as a pitcher. And it's Shohei Otani, who's in Major League Baseball, and Hagen Danner. And if you are wondering who in the hell that is, that is a prospect who's in the Blue Jays system who I just happened to notice on Yahoo, or sorry, on, on Fantrax, has like outfield or utility as well as pitching eligibility. Was it, wasn't so, he a catcher prospect for a while? He, I think it, he was a, a pitcher catcher. I think that's the idea. So he, maybe it is catcher, but either yeah. way, those are the only two guys that I know of that right. have it. So it is essentially the Otani button. But if you have a um, uh, Brett Phillips who goes in and pitches and gets yeah. blown up, that doesn't hurt you when you hit the Otani button on fan tracks. Um, so, but it, so one thing I do, I do think though, Robbie, just on that yeah, I'm point, curious. Your thoughts. I, I, I was actually going to bring it up about Brett Phillips. Like to me, I think as much as Otani has the upside, like it shouldn't be isolated to Otani. Like if there is a guy like Brett Phillips that gets out there now, are you going to use Brett Phillips as a pitcher? Probably not. Um, and should you have the ability to set whether you want to use him as a pitcher or, or an outfielder? Yeah, I think so. Um, and so to me, I, I think there has to be a designation because I do think, you know, roster spots in, in bigger leagues, especially, are vital, right? So I think that's the one thing that I I I don't care enough to make a big deal out of it. I'm just trying to be mm-hmm. third party on this one. Uh, your team is in like last in that league, so I really don't oh, care. I I um, cannot believe how terrible my team is in that <laughs> league. Like I honestly, Ty, I honestly thought I was going to have the AL East. It's a 30 team league. You you're you play as a, a major league team, so I'm Toronto in that. I thought by the all-star break, I was going to have it locked up. And I think in April I had six wins (laughs) like brutal. I could not believe how bad my team is. And the fact that the guys who are fighting against it, one of them is in another league where I activated the Otani button. The guy said nothing at all about it. I don't roster him in that league. I just activated him. I don't roster him in the dingers listener league. I activate it. I don't care. I think yeah. that's the, that's who Shohei Otani is. He is an elite I, I pitcher. Agree. He's an elite hitter. If he only takes up one roster spot, so be it. I I do get your side though, and I think you're kind of leaning towards the he should be taking up both the pitcher and your utility spot. Not which necessarily. I don't, Not well, necessarily. I don't disagree I, with that idea, but you can't split him, like yeah. just because then then what happens if I'm like, well then can I trade the hitter? You know what I mean? You get into that like BS. I, it's all or nothing. I think in my you mind. just have to like. I think you have to enable, like very similar to like um, position eligibility. I think you need to simplify the pitcher eligibility, right? And what I mean by that is like a Brett Phillips goes out and throws five innings. He mm-hmm. now has starting pitching eligibility. That's my thoughts. So if he so started, I, yeah, he'd yeah. have to start. So in that particular league, he'd have to start three times, and yep. no different than if he came in to relief, he'd have to come in to relief three times. And then Brett Phillips would become an outfielder RP eligible guy, which means you put him in your outfield. You also get whenever he goes and pitches automatically. You don't have to put him in both. Yeah. And so like, I, I think there needs to be some like for this to work in like bigger leagues. I think there needs to be some element of risk. And what I mean by that is what is the on off button look like? And what is the risk for turning it on and off? So yes, the league can turn it on and enable it. But you as the owner, what's your risk? Your your risk with an Otani is nothing, whereas the risk for eligibility for somebody else is like if you own Brett Phillips for whatever reason, and you're like, I want to, you know, I actually had oh. him in that league last year. But yes, continue. <laughs> so, you know, if you turn that that scenario on, 
like how do you just say Brett Phillips isn't included in that? Right. Or like a Michael After Lorenzen, his third like, relief appearance, he would gain RP eligibility in that league and yep. you could then put him in. Um, or or it would automatically do it, which which I do understand that. And some of the guys were like, well, I don't want that to happen if they just come in once, which it doesn't happen if they come in once. They have to earn position eligibility yeah. for it to happen. Um, but to my so the other side of that, I, I'm saying it's my side. It's not my side. To the other side of that, imagine you roster a top 50 pitcher and a top 50 hitter, but you have to choose which one you're going to use on that period, whether it's daily totally. or, or bi-weekly or weekly. Um, it's not the best use of that player. Well, that's Shohei Otani in fantasy baseball for everyone except Yahoo. But if you have him in Yahoo, he's taking up two roster spots. So Fantrax did it with one roster spot. And I agree that that is the best way to do it. It also, in my mind, automatically makes him the most valuable player in fantasy baseball because you're getting two elite players. You're getting an MVP. That's what you're getting. Mm -hmm. You're getting an MVP overall, but that makes him 1-1. And that makes him like extra elite and it's an advantage, but it's an advantage because of what he does, not because of some type of like button that Fantrax enabled you to yep. you to click on. That's just what Shohei Otani is. So it means that if you don't enable it in your various leagues, if anyone out there is having an issue like this, I'm really curious because I just feel like it's sour grapes from the guys who don't have him. And they're the reason that it's being held up. And I think that's BS. And the other two commissioners had made their mind up to just do it. And then they got feedback, pushback from two dudes who then a couple other guys started to add in like the opinions that aren't necessary of like, well, he should be two players or I would, I would vote against it if it was a vote. Well, it shouldn't be a vote. It's, it's Shohei Otani is such a special player and Fantrax figured out a way to showcase the fact that he's special. Whereas Yahoo has done a different way. But yep. then you have like your CBS's, ESPN's, um, you know, NFBC's where they're like, figure out what you're going to do with them. And and basically what like what happened, he had a two home run night earlier in the week. Uh, he in that particular league, I'm waiting to start him tonight, which he ended up having a quality start in five K's tonight, but no decision. So that's all I get out of Otani in this period is that start tonight. I don't get the two home runs and all the other stuff that he did earlier in the week, which is BS because that's why Otani is so special. So I'm curious, anybody hit us up at Dinger's Pod if you want to talk about it. I'm definitely going to put a poll out there um, to ask if people believe the Otani button is the right choice. Do you press the Otani button or do you not press the Otani button? And that that shouldn't matter whether you have them or not. It's just your own belief. Do you want the most unique player in Major League Baseball to be able to be maximized in your fantasy league or do you not care and you're fine to have this like little hiccup where he's your hitter this week, he's your pitcher next week, and then vice versa, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I understand the 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 argument. It's not really a reasonable argument from the people that are rejecting the idea's position. Like there isn't like there isn't an argument to say your player can do cool things, therefore you can't use them. But there's also right. needs to be. To me, there needs to be a more consistent line on the risk from your side of the debate. So I, I, I don't think there's a right answer, to be honest. And I think it's just something that the only the only caveat I would add is that it shouldn't have been changed in season. It should be before or after. 
never in the middle. Yeah, and, and that's on fault. fan tracks, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's fan tracks who had it four or five days late, right? That's their fault for not being a week ahead. Correct. And then it could have it could have just been done or not done and it wouldn't be an issue. Um, and 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 yeah, that that's what it is with that. Now, the other thing is on topic on brand with NFBC tonight. And that is the fact that if you play in an NFBC, which I'm sure a decent number of you, you guys who are dynasty guys, you want a little relief from the, the grind that can be dynasty. NFBC can offer that to you um, by having, you know, leagues that can be $50 all the way up to $2,500, I think is main event fees. Um, mm -hmm. But you can play on it. The problem that we've now run into that I've certainly run into myself is that if you haven't drafted a prospect who does not have MLB time, you cannot pick them up until they have had um, a start or a, an at-bat. And if that at-bat or that start happens to come on a Sunday, well, you're SOL because waivers run once a week on Sundays with NFBC, which means you have to wait an additional week before you can get a player. So you can't be early. And the, the prime example right now is George Kirby. George Kirby started on Sunday. If he was not already drafted in your league, he is not eligible to be picked up until one full week later or one more start later for him. Uh, and I don't understand why that's a thing with NFBC because they use a fab system where you only have a thousand dollars for the year. If someone wants to get ahead, why would they prevent that? Especially when it's all money leagues and depending on how much you spend, it could be a serious investment. Like we mm -hmm. play in the surf league, which we're about to talk about with guys who I'm sure are in a dozen or more leagues. They're spending thousands of dollars to play on that website and that website outside of the stupidity of the two catcher setup, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, they won't let you pick up a player who may never have an MLB at bat that year. If you want to waste your money, why can't you waste your fab money? Yeah. You know, that that's my, that's how I see it. What do you think on that Ty? Do you think it, you should be able to go and pick up Andrew painter who was drafted last year and absolutely will not play this year? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, I, I think there's there's a certain expectation. Like, if they're even remotely plausible to play a major league inning, I think they need to be in there, right? Like, if it's even a possibility. Like, so Andrew Painter's not a good example, but, you know, somebody that could skyrocket up a system, like a, a Nolan Gorman is close there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Nolan Gorman, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. All name your there. top name your top 50 prospect that that is you know double a or higher george kirby's a perfect example he wasn't somebody that i was like i'm he's gonna get 25 starts this year so i wasn't gonna draft him now he's up I, I gotta wait a week like so all the guys who aren't keeners who are casual you know checking in and whatever they got a full extra week now to sort that out i think that's really crappy on the site um, really that you, you can't just get ahead Really quick yeah. before we get into the actual overview of surf, uh, just something I, I discovered while you were talking. Um, Jeff Hoffman, fan, yeah. fan favorite here, uh, 18 innings of 1.93 ball so far. Not doing year. bad. He is <laughs> yeah. not doing bad for Cincinnati, so, but he certainly is fun. not a starter. As bad as Cincinnati is, he uh, he's not a starter. But Yet. <laughs> again would be more there's still lots of games left for a very very bad cincinnati team yes that's true. okay so 
uh, on topic with the surf draft. So we've kind of given the overall like surf is the Canadian a Roto fantasy league, um, part of the earth league, which has a whole bunch of dudes in it. Uh, if they, if, if you listen to a podcast or read fantasy baseball content, uh, they are probably involved in this league or declined because they would have been asked. Um, mm-hmm. So Ty, you've talked about it before you, you prepare for a draft by having somewhat of an idea as to what you want to do and you draft and react. Is that correct? I, I don't even have that much of a plan to be honest. Like, I mean, <laughs> I was the, trying the, to give you more no, you no. before we started recording, but here's the thing. Like I'm, I'm an advent. I'm like, I am an opportunity guy. Like that's the way I look at my draft strategy and every format that I play in, because the reality is like what I prepare for in the draft is I know position shortcomings. Right. And we spend time researching this sort of stuff and sharing with you during our, our shows. But you know, at the end of the day, like these are things that I'm well aware of before I enter a draft room. Like, no questions. I know what's happening. Um, and so I know what positions I need to target early in drafts, and I go after those positions. Um, and this this one's very interesting, Rob, because we know there's two catchers, but the thing that you know doesn't get brought up enough is the amount of infield depth that you need, right? You're running out corner infield, middle infield utility on top of all of the positions and five outfielders, right? So you know, for me, it's just about knowing when you can acquire that depth, right? Like that's really the prep that I had for this draft. It begins and ends right there. And I know a couple members of the, of the group, we got together for a zoom meeting, um, just kind of get to know everybody, Robbie, before, uh, we got into the draft. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the big things for me that they asked me and it kind of pertains to it, they're like, are you going to draft Garrett Cole at the fifth pick? Right. And it was just, they were, they don't know me a couple of the guys. Right. And so they were fishing and I said, listen, like I know pitching, I can get pitching later. That's kind of one of my strengths. So I don't need to touch Cole. Um, and so, you know, there, there's different strategies for everybody, whereas some other people don't know the pitching depth. So they're going to go get their pitchers early. Right. So it just matters of who's in your league. And in this one, we talked about it before we jumped on here, like, there were some really weird things early in this draft, Robbie. And and so I watched and paid attention. And in the very my second pick in the draft was a weird one. Like I got Max Scherzer in a five by five, 26th overall. And so that's one that again, reading, reacting, people for whatever reason had an age bias on a guy that's been nothing but consistent for the last decade. Uh, and so I'm happy to take him. Happy to go in. And the worst thing I get out of Scherzer is a ton of strikeouts and 13 to 14 wins. And I will take that all day, every day in a five by five. Robbie, I know that's like basically the complete opposite of what you went into this draft with. So why don't you kind of give everyone the overview of what you did? Absolutely. So I went into this draft thinking to myself, what does it take to finish in the top five? And I based it on my 2021 TGFBI results. Now, TGFBI is the great fantasy baseball invitational that has a mixture of mostly industry, fantasy baseball industry people. So you have to create content in some way, shape or form, and it has to be verified through Justin Mason and his uh, team of minions who ensure that you are legitimately involved in fantasy baseball. Um, And then like one, I think one person in each league gets in that's like, you know, not a content creator of some sort. So, uh, you know, it's, 
it's committed people. Now, the crummy part with TGFBI is that it doesn't cost money. You can get into a side pool, which for whatever reason, Canadians, or at least I wasn't able to get into last year um, for the side bet, but it's free. And when you get a free league, you get guys who drop out. So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to take the top uh, stat for stolen bases, runs, RBI, da, 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 the, the five by five. I'm going to take the number one guy in each league, that number. So for stolen bases, for example, last year, 136 stolen bases won my TGFBI league. And the fifth place person, which means you've got 10 points out of it, had 109. So I know I needed to draft what I assumed would be projectable players that would be somewhere north of 109 stolen bases. But I didn't need to go crazy because 136 should safely get me in the top three. And I went across the board, runs, RBIs, home runs, average wins for pitchers, Ks, saves, ERA, and whip. And I thought about how do I want to distribute my 20 plus picks on that? Because you get your final ones and they're really just your shots in the dark. So you don't want to say my entire draft is planned out. Um, that's just silly. You, you, like you said, Ty, you want to, you want to react. So if you see guys mm -hmm. starting to slip, if you see different things, and I thought to myself, okay, I'm looking at guys um, from a stolen base perspective this year, just to try it out. Like this is a money league. We're paying, we're paying a hundred bucks to be in it. That's money. Um, so you don't want to just punt it. But I thought I want to try this strategy of getting guys with stolen bases. Well, what happened in that TGFBI league that I'm setting up? Well, I just told you guys 136 won it. 109 was fifth. I want to make sure I don't have to buy with my free agent money, my thousand dollars. I don't want to spend a dollar of it trying to find someone who steals a base. So I'm just going to go ahead and get guys that steal bases. And uh, I'm trying to remember who my first pick was, which sounds funny. I feel like it was, was a Trey Turner. Trey, it was. Yeah. I picked Trey Turner who should be 20 plus stolen bases. The second round, I think I went with Starling Marte, mm -hmm. uh, which was, a stretch in the sense that I maybe could have waited, but also when you do a snake draft, you draft, um, you know, you might draft every 15 picks, but you could also draft every 29 picks and then you'll have two in a row and then you have to wait, you know, something significant. So I ended up where I had a, a long wait between. So I drafted, I think second and then 29th and then again, 31st and then it, it repeated. So there was a long wait. So, I thought I'm going to kind of figure out my pitching as the year goes on because last year, uh, a 365 ERA was fifth best in TGFBI and 1200 Ks gets you somewhere within the top five. So that's a lot of play. Like you got a lot of season to make that up. 80 wins, yeah. same thing. Like I, I went across the board that way and I kind of picked my team based on stolen bases and knowing that the guys who get a lot of stolen bases also get a lot of runs. And based on the individuals I drafted last year, they also had a bunch of RBIs and the home runs automatically work themselves out. And they're all decent average guys. That's how I went into this draft. And I started to make those picks at that point in time. I did not know, Ty, that a month and change into the season, the MLB hitter average was going to be as low as it is. Um, it's 237 right yeah. now. Ridiculously low. OPS? For Major League Baseball, under 700. Um, that means a lot of really crappy players are league average or better right now. And that's making it really hard to separate my draft strategy from what's actually happening on paper. 
Uh, and to be to be honest, tonight as we are discussing this, I am in fifteenth place in my league, uh, but in the overall, I am just a hair outside the top one hundred right now. Um, so it it my idea I think long term is solid for the whole season is solid, but drafting the way I did made me very vulnerable for five categories, which are the pitching categories. Uh, but as I said to you, I felt confident taking a few chances and one of them, which I don't want to get into, but one of them was Trevor Bauer and yeah. that one clearly I've had to, I've had to, <laughs> I waited for a month, right. To find out what was going on with them. And it was just a bench spot gone. And now I've had to move on from him and the strategy that I'll be employing moving forward it's no secret to anybody who's got to catch up in categories. You try to find the most effective upcoming two-star pitchers. Yeah. And then you just rotate a roster spot or two um, for those guys. So, but how do you feel Ty after having gone through the draft where we did a bunch of the rounds through a zoom meeting um, and then got into just the online drafting? How do you feel the flow went for you since that's your strategy? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was super easy because, you know, I, I saw how uncomfortable some of the guys were being in the Zoom room. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny. Um, not because they were uncomfortable with each other, just like being exposed to your pick in front of other people is sometimes uh, an interesting thing that under, like, unless it's your tight friend circle, which a lot of leagues are, um, you know, that's not the easiest thing in the world. So I, I think for me, like, there was obvious patterns that I caught on to how people were drafting very early on in that league. And some, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with their patterns, right, for what they were trying to accomplish. Um, and, and for me, like, I'm always looking to see it. Normally, I can see that on the draft board, but the Zoom room gave me an, an extra opportunity to analyze them in the real moment. Like, I knew what you were doing. Like, the minute I saw you start, um, took me zero seconds to, to understand where you were going. Um, but, you know, some of the other ones, it took me a while to see <clears throat> some of the strategy. And, and then in others, like, I, I don't think their strategy was very good. Um, and, and that's, you know, in some cases, like, you know, there's a certain amount of luck to a 12 to 15 teamer as well. Right. Because there's guys that are queued up based on industry setups and whatever platform you're using. Uh, sometimes that's the way it starts to go for some guys. But, um, I think there was, for me, I think the biggest thing that I saw as a reactionary play was there was way too many reaches in this league for my liking. Um, and you and I, you know, playing enough dynasty leagues where we see reaches all the time on prospect guys. Um, 100%. I, Comical. Form, yeah. Like, yeah. Ridiculous. Like, you know, we talked about in that TDL league that we talked about in the last episode, like I had two first round picks this year and I was able to walk away with what I believe to be the two best players in the first round, Khalil Watson and Brady house. So they fell to me because guys like say Suzuki were being drafted ahead of these guys in a dynasty format, which Matt I rash was yes. a top, I believe a top 15, possibly Correct. a top 10 pick yep. because guys were grabbing. Yep. And, and when we talk about um, fab in a minute, that that's the number one guy we can talk about him and Josh Lowe. Yeah. Like I just started to look at some of the things that happened in this league. Like if you look at the third round, uh, that to me was the craziest round. We got into the closer run, right? Five by five closers carry a little bit extra value uh, because of the save format. But, you know, we had a run here at the beginning of the third round of Hendricks, Hayter, Iglesias, uh, Manu Classe, Edwin Diaz, and Ryan Presley all going in the same round in a round of 15. So, 
Like I, I was in that run, Robbie. So I'm not like, I'm just saying I saw the run happening and we were on the beginning of the snake and I knew I needed to get them before the run went all the way back. Um, and and I, I expected there to be one or two or three more go and I didn't want to miss. I, I will say like, I like Iglesias in the long run, but I, I feel like I'm, I want to go back and take Edwin Diaz instead uh, in right. that position, just as a reaction. I, I still think Iglesias is the safer bet, but now that I know that uh, Edwin Diaz is rolling out of the bullpen and I didn't know this with Narco by Blaster Jacks and Tommy Trumpet, <laughs> I'm there for that all day, every day. Um, and you'll appreciate just a real side note. I've, I've taught my kid, Robbie, that when there is a beat, uh, a drop that as the beats dropping, he slowly raises his hands. And then once the beat drop, finger guns, and it's the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. Um, and it's so funny. And he, but he, he's totally into it, and I dig every second of it. So that's very but, different than what I've taught my son. I've, I've taught him the difference between the different types of screwdrivers, so he can tell you a flathead, uh, a hex, you know, a Robertson, a Phillips. He, he knows that. Um, he also knows that clothes without pockets are boring, and that's from a <laughs> speech that I had in grade four. And it's just like a thing that Jess and I used to always joke about because I've memorized the speech. It's maybe I'll do it. You know, maybe, maybe I will do it one night. Um, I also want to drop in very quickly, Ty. We're looking here at this moment at the Surf League standings. And do you know who is only one spot in front of me in those standings? Ronnie. The Roto Master himself, Roto Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> dear Roto Ronnie, you suck. Love everyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, now in the standings, there's a difference. I've dipped back to 118 out of the 150. Uh, but I, I'm not even last in our league in the overall, which makes me feel better. And so, I'm within 20 spots of four dudes. So, well, I mean, I think Robbie, you fall into this. Hello, it's me. <laughs> I was wondering when all of my pitching would be good. <laughs> I I need um we need the um uh the hotline bling Ooh, to somehow yeah. be like mashed up with we started from the bottom so that we can use it as the post hype hello we need we need a combination of Drake oh. montaging somewhere in the middle of all this but you know I, I'm still waiting for you to figure out an Aerosmith walk this way because on the one we'll podcast that I said that I, I immediately I was like that's it. That's, we'll, that's we'll the place there. to be. We got to ease into these things. We got to we got to really wear out an idea before we get a new one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, really wear it out. So, kind of finishing our thoughts on reaches, right? Like, I think that's the one thing that I picked up on this. Like, we saw guys that, although are very good baseball players, uh, you know, get picked a little bit early. Uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, a guy like Tyler O'Neill, who I love, and you know, I love. Uh, went in the fourth round absolutely yeah. right like i mean with the strikeout rates that he has in a roto format like i would be more interested in him in a points format uh, than i would be in a five by five i think he went just a touch early it's not to pick on anybody individual because there's a lot that happened here like uh alberto Montesi in the fourth round uh also you Which, know, you know what, Ty? The closer we got to the season the higher Montesi kept going and and yeah. in that particular uh, round, I was hoping Mondesi would fall to me because then I was going to be able to completely switch up from attacking stolen bases. Because at that point in time, getting Mondesi would have given me, I think, somewhere in in my mind, somewhere around a hundred stolen bases, which meant I could have just like went off onto pitchers, and it didn't happen. And I don't remember 
who if that's where I took Cedric Mullins or where whoever it was. Um, but maybe that was when I took either Mullins or or uh, Arizona. Uh, but I was I noticed like, oh, crap, I've got a bunch of outfielders, but that's because Mondesi's gone. Well, yeah. look, Mondesi had a terrible April, got hurt. Now he's done for the year. You you can't ever think to yourself, this guy's an injury risk. I'm not yeah. going to take him in the fourth round. If he's an injury risk, you know, like Dave McDonald has said before, you you just don't take them. Like there are certain guys who are within the top hundred of everybody's queue except the winners because the winners are like, that guy's way too risky. Correct. So I'm just not going to take him because you don't want to take a risk that early. Um, and I know I took jazz Chisholm early and that's been fine. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I, I honestly walked away from that thinking that was a reach to Robbie, right? Like I, I did, I thought you uh, went early. Absolutely. And I, and I know when I took Tommy Edmond in the fifth that I got kind of commented like, Ooh, that's early. That's early. I'm pretty Pretty confident that the value I've gotten from Tommy Evans so far is right where he should have been uh, in my mind. And I got position eligibility. We talked about that off the hop. So that was important for me at that moment because I then opened up a lot of things I could do with my draft, right? And so because I go with the read and react method, having a guy like Tommy Edmond, who I believed would be where he is right now as a leadoff hitter in St. Louis, and I bought into that, I leaned into it, and that's why I took him where I did. Um, I think it's going to pay huge dividends for me because not only did it enable me to, to get a guy that everyone else was kind of shying away from because very similar to Mondesi, he was going the opposite way in terms of draft uh, ADP. As we got closer to the season, he was going backwards uh, because they were talking about him hitting ninth. Da, 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 da. And, and it was just to me, like everything I saw from Edmund last year suggested he's the leadoff guy suggested he has more in the tank. Um, so I liked that, but like, you know, in the same round, like Wander Franco went, Lindor went before Edmund. Uh, like these are the things. Like I, I like the buy and the risk on Lindor, but I I think you could have waited a round. I think you could have waited even two rounds, maybe, right? Because a lot of people had had you know started to either pick away at their infield already, or or have decided because shortstop's deep they were going to wait. So you know that's where some of those picks to me were just I don't know, like Corey Seager two rounds later. Uh, theoretically would have been a better pick than a couple of those guys. However, if you buy into my philosophy of don't buy guys that are switching leagues, Corey Seager is proving that once again, um, that that is a constant, um, not necessarily a, a, a guess. Um, Carlos Correa went later. Like, I, I don't know what in a fantasy world people are scared of Carlos Correa for. I, I don't, I don't understand that. Guy. Oh. Uh, okay. Um, uh, no, that's, you know. that's what I think. And, and the lack of stolen bases here. Um, that that's my guess. I'm, I'm just having a look here, Ty. Like I took Ryan Mountcastle at 92 in the seventh round, my sixth round pick. I mean, you, you I'm took Frankie. I'm Mountcastle. not going to lie. I was pissed how early you took Mountcastle. Cause I wanted him. Yeah. He uh, was typically going, I think at that point in time, just over a hundred. So I was confident I wouldn't get him on the back end of it, but there, yeah. there were players who I thought went, really early that I was planning to take a round or two later um, who have absolutely paid off. And that includes like Woody took Jordan Romano in the sixth round at 77. And as you already described with our um, closer run, that was like post the closer mm. run, the yeah. first closer run, but it did but start another one with like, like Will Smith was going and like, you would just consistently see guys, really really going early but then you also have like 
I mean, we've talked about it, catchers, catchers going early. Chris Bryant was considered super risky, uh, and he was taken 99th overall. Chris Bryant has, when healthy, mm-hmm. been dynamite. Uh, you know, there's a lot in here that's interesting. Justin Verlander, another, like, absolute one. But I see here, uh, it was Justin Verlander with Cody Bellinger for the same team, 105-106. <sighs> you know, hit, hit and miss, but what? It, it's not really a miss. It's just... It doesn't look great right now, right yet. Um, lots of season left here, but uh, it it was it was to me. To, I think I don't know if you were to take one thing away from that surf league, um, knowing that it's going to be a, a league we're we're drafting with these guys again, and next year we're all going to get together. Yeah. So ideally, there will be uh, more alcohol in play and <laughs> worse decisions made. Because I that's, know what the home that's league where got. we perform. That's yeah, where we've, I know at the home league guys, I eventually just like looked at my phone and I like written on the names of guys I wanted towards the end of the draft. I'm like, just don't forget these guys. You just uh, couldn't remember you're... how to flip your phone open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then someone's like, no, because like, look at my phone here. It's like, Rob, Rob, that's an iPhone. It's an iPhone. <laughs> but yeah, it was just one of those. I, I mean, it was a great experience overall. And I'm enjoying playing this league out. Uh, I also love the fact that I know we're not playing with what some people would call like plugs. You know, you get into a mm-hmm. public league, you don't know everybody. And to some people, a hundred bucks is nothing. And to somebody else, a hundred bucks was like $50 more than they ever thought they would spend. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that within this league where we're, you know, we're paying a hundred bucks and some of it goes to charity. It's an experience for us who are dynasty focused guys to just take a look at 2022. That's yeah. it. So do you believe the guys like Cedric Mullins who rolled off a 2021 with epic years, Ryan Mountcastle, who had a good stat line. I, that's weird. You just said, I just said two Baltimore guys, but, um, or do you believe on the other end of it, guys like Eugenio Suarez are going to be able to come back from, you know, not having had a good year and, and, you know, Mondesi, is he going to be able to come back from not having a good year? And a lot of that is, is having faith in runs and streaky players can really help you out early but at the same time, you like you've talked about a million times with trading in Dynasty, you've got to know when to cut bait. And so everyone knows you cannot trade in NFBC leagues. Um, this particular league as well, you cannot trade. So the only way to acquire players is you select a player on your team to cut and you pick up a player through Sunday night um, waivers. You also are fab. You also... Um, can't put anyone on an injured list. So your bench is your bench, whether they're hurt or not. Like I drafted Strasburg. I took a chance on him. Um, I've yet to get an inning out of him, but at the same time, I took Bubik with one of my last picks. Uh, I took Jose Siri with one of my last picks and other guys kind of of that ilk of like, I was hoping for, for greatness from them. Um, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't come around. And then there are other dudes where I pick my mid rotation type guys, you know, Sandoval, um, Tristan McKenzie, Ranger Suarez, and I'm counting on them, not just in, in like May to kind of continue to be good, but all the way through. So as my team is slowly making improvements, I'm banking on those individuals to be there on my roster starting every week, you know, from today until the end of September. Well, and I think for me, like my team is getting crushed on the offensive side. Like I think I have the worst, if not the second worst offensive team right now and one of the better pitching side teams. But, like, my offense is not weak by any means. I think I just need the summer months. I've got 
Kyber Ruiz and Molina on the catcher position. I've got Vladdy, Altuve, Luis Arias, Rendon, Gallo, Meadows, Ustramski, Jesus, Sanchez, Brandon Marsh. Um, so, like, I'm, I feel confident about my batting average. I think I'm going to score runs. Um, and I think I'm going to be sneaky good in the power department come the end of July and into August. So, like, I really believe I'm going to catch up. And I did that with – and I was that was the one, like, I guess – theoretical strategy I entered this draft with Robbie was I knew I could fill my outfield late and not late, but like mid to late. Right. And, right. and I did I, in like a five round <clears throat> run. I took Meadows, Gallo, Sanchez, Luis areas. Right. And then I got um, Marsh a little bit later in the draft. I'm kicking myself for not trusting my faith in Juan Yepes, who I actually drafted in this league, Robbie. Oh, did you really? Uh, oh, okay. I did. I took him second from the back, but I had too many injuries early in this year to hold on to him. I wish I would have had the patience, gotcha. but what choice do you have in a five by five when you're you're out of a position that you right? Need to no fill? IL, you know. Yeah. So I'm just looking here, Ty. I I went to 300 North because I don't know how how much more we really need to discuss this until we get really into like the dog days of the summer when things are happening. I'm looking at who looks to be the steal of the draft so far. And um, it's Tyler McGill at 315 at this moment. And I'm scrolling back here and I'm looking for some great names. And I got to be honest, my own, my own picks included. I'm seeing some real stinkers here. Um, I did draft Tyler Wells in the 22nd round, but I have Mm -hmm. also dropped him because he had that wonky start to his year. Um, I mean, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure. That might be the one. Or Nestor Cortez. 348. Uh, yeah, you're with yeah, me there. I mean, that one's got to be on there as well. And Jorge Mateo, second overall in MLB and stolen bases, which is mm-hmm. a category that counts, mm-hmm. of course. Um, that's can there. I, can I toot my own horn with a last round McKenzie, McKenzie Gore pick? Uh, oh, there that, you go. That's probably a notable, potent potable. Yeah, Reed Detmers at 366 is also good. So there's late picks, but it's one of the things that we also thought was kind of funny was like the the waiver wire craziness early on. Um, and I mean, throw out another name here. If you see somebody that you, you like here, but the waiver wire craziness of week one, not necessarily limited to our league, but, but others, but like uh, we had Matt Brash mm-hmm. who hundreds of dollars to, yeah. you know, to whoever had Josh Lowe, who was drafted in this league, but for the leagues that he wasn't drafted in, um, that was somebody that was very, very popular. Hundreds of dollars. Do you have week one in front of you, Robbie, right now? Are you looking at it? I don't. I'm just looking at my Bobby Bradley pick in the so, 26th round. I'm very sad. So I've just pulled <laughs> up the fab results from week one, which is a great parlay off of um, the draft here. If you look at what, like Matt Brash at 167 of your fab dollars, um, CJ Abrams, who we talked about in the last episode, um, going down to the minors was $85 in the first round. Stephen Kwan, who literally lit the world on fire for the first two weeks of the season, uh, $81, right? So Woody made a couple attempts at, you know, spending some money, spent $160, which ironically is $1 less than what was spent on Matt Brash in that first week. Um, to have two guys that one is in the minors, and honestly, Kwan isn't going to give a ton of value from this point forward. Right, because uh, I don't know, man. Like that average is gonna really help out with some other things. Like I'm just gonna I'm very quickly you it's look. Gonna fall. It's going to fall. I understand that there's upside. I just, you know, in a one year five by five, 
I don't love Quan as much as I like him in Dynasty format. Like I like I like Quan to give you Madrigal Madrigal style value uh, in the outfield. I like that about Quan. I just mm-hmm. I don't think the rest of this season is going to be the expectations that are now set on Quan. That's okay. My, here my here it is uh, for the year two ninety eight average eight twenty five OPS for Quan. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. the last month two thirty average OPS mm-hmm. sub six seventy five. Uh, the last two weeks, 250 average. Last week, 226 average. You are 100% correct that there has been a significant dip. All I am saying on that point of spending the money early was that that little boost can help if you then move him to your bench as he struggles. You don't have to get rid of him. You don't have to cut him. But for a guy like me who drafted Jose Siri late, drafted Chris Bubik late, I'm okay to cut those guys. It's who I replace them with. In my mind, my whole strategy is have cash in hand for the second half. Like I know George Kirby's up and George Kirby's going to go for a couple hundred bucks, whatever. Well, I'm assuming if he gets blown up on the weekend with whoever Seattle plays, that might change it a bit. But if he doesn't and he has two great starts out of the gate, people are just going to go nuts for him because they're going to think this guy is the difference maker. Well, there's there's two ways to go about it. You go for all of those guys, those rookie call-ups that make it happen, or you look at the Patrick Corbins of the world who sucked in April and slowly start to improve. And I have picked up so much Patrick Corbin. I'm thinking about getting a Jersey because I just, all of a sudden he's free, right? He's free in every league. I messaged a guy in our big money auction league who said, I will pay his salary. I just want a prospect in return. And I said, give me a name or two. Like, I don't care. I don't think Patrick Corbin is terrible, but of course, who does he come back with for names? like top 100 type prospects. So now I got to think about it. Like, what do I want to get from the rest of the year for Patrick Corbin in that league? Well, in, in surf, it was, I think it was $1 or 18. It was really low. What I got Corbin for, cause nobody else wanted him. but I thought, you know what? There's, there's more to this guy. Um, I don't think he's going to be the same thing as picking up an ACE of course, but that's how I have to kind of work my way back in this because I did, I dug myself a hole in this and to be perfectly honest, uh, if I could do the draft all over again, the only player that I would have picked or sorry, the only player that I would have made a change on was I just would not have drafted Trevor Bauer. But yeah. at that time, I had no idea. And the whole idea in my head of drafting him was like, this can be the guy who won't be pitching in April. But whenever the suspension gets sorted out, he'll be back in September and going hard. And I'm all for it. But OK, he's suspended. He's out. Well, that sucks. I just wasted whatever round it was. I picked him in seven, eight, something like that. Um, now I've got to make that up. So at what, and that, that to me is where you see those like late picks. Like we just rhymed off those other dudes uh, in, in redraft, you can still find hope on the waiver wire in your dynasty leagues. That's where you have to have like that savvy trade, right? Somebody has to love a prospect on your team and, to me, that that's where I like you can't make it up as easily in a in a league like this where you can't draft or sorry where you can't trade as you can in your own dynasty or keeper redraft where you actually are, have the ability to trade because you can be really creative. But in a redraft, I also I don't really know if I like the idea of trading in redraft unless the draft picks carry over. Like you know what I mean? Like there has to be an asset that goes to the future because mm-hmm. why would you trade away? unless you just for some reason have three third basemen who are all great and you can only play two of them, why would you trade away 
a good player on your team? And why would the other team trade you somebody who's good? Yeah. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, trades are, are obviously a thing that happened, but like the amount of conversations that we, you and I have about trades is, is obviously pretty significant, but you know, at the end of the day, like I always say to guys that I can do business with is that let's have a trade that both people win. Let's not waste each other's time. Like, you know, there's a couple guys that I just won't trade with. They make tons of trades with other guys in the league, but they just offer a crazy number of trades until somebody's like, Oh, that one's pretty close. I'll take right. that. And, and it's, you're losing those trades against those guys. And there's a reason I don't ever make trades with those guys is because they're never coming to a position where they're understanding my position. Like I will give you a valuable player as long as you overpay for them. Right. <clears throat> like I'm happy to do it, but like I'm in a position where I need to hold these guys for the long haul. And if you can say I'll two X your value, then let's do it. <clears throat> and I think that's the big thing that happens in a lot of these other leagues. And especially in the redraft ones is they take that same concept and apply it to the draft. And they apply it to Fab, right? And, and it's it doesn't have a second party to negotiate with. So in these scenarios, like you take Fab, like you know, you look at uh, Yohan Duran is a great example. Like that's a guy that was cut the previous week, and then he had a couple good outings in that week after he was cut. And, and there's a report for, he's going to be the closer. That was the other thing yeah, report. He's correct. Be the closer. Yeah. Until a call comes back, and then he's not the closer anymore. <laughs> um right and and he went for 232 dollars in the bid like i get the the need to buy saves i get it i understand the process but like the logic of of the overpay right for a potential right like there's right. no guarantee duran's gonna be the closer at the end of the season like i've said it for a year and a half it's a call it's gonna be a call um and and you know he's hurt right now so it's irrelevant but you know, Duran is, they, they still want him to be, he's the Nate Pearson of Minnesota. They want him to start. He just hasn't made it there yet. And, and they're going to eventually come back to that debate, like period. So I, I just, I'm not as like, those are the things that I recognize in this league is that you have a bunch of people that, you know, know each other, maybe, maybe don't draft together all the time. And as a result of that, there was a bunch of over buying in the draft. And I think right. there was they wanted to make sure they got the guy. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's followed true in the fab. And that's my biggest takeaway. You know, when you and I are in the patient format of dynasty, we watch this and we're like, what are you guys doing? Right. But in, in, in there's probably things you and I are missing that right. I was going to say it could totally know. burn us on that strategy, right? Correct. We wait too long. We go to, we go to find help in, you know, June, July, August into September. And we got our hands out and we got fab in our pocket and we got nobody to spend it on or the guys we spend it on are very short-term options and we're we at that point in time are just kind of hopping from one lily pad to the next uh to try to you know make up in whatever category or whatever areas yep. we we think that we're weak in. and again you get decimated with injuries this week it makes a lot of sense to go and get x player for however much money uh i know in my tgfbi i think i had two shortstops that went down and i saw jose iglesias was out there with colorado and I'm like, well, I'm getting Jose Iglesias. Like, no one cares about him. So, what's a high bid on Jose Iglesias? Forty bucks, I think. I'm like, well, then I'm going to mm -hmm. put eighty because I don't want to not get him because I need an average player out of my shortstop well, position for next week. And and like I spent like two hundred bucks last week in Fab because I was decimated with injuries and I had lost in the previous week Fab. I couldn't go another week without outfields, which is why I'm in last in in the offensive side basically. 
but I had to go buy a bunch of plugs to play my outfield because everyone else was hurt. Um, And so like, I spent a bunch of money on guys like Mike Yastrzemski, who was a free agent. And and I don't necessarily feel as bad about that one because I think he's going to give me some at bats. Uh, But I bought Victor Robles just to to fill out my depth, right? A guy that I know is going to be mediocre at best. uh, And I'm certainly not going to run him out there every week, but if I see some, some good matchups. I'm on a bank on some, some stolen bases that he had, we haven't seen yet this year. Um, and, and they've really been working on some swing changes. Like these are the things that, you know, I, I like what we're doing here because you and I are having to question these things, which we don't do in the other formats we play, right? Like we're having to take right. a look at these bid process and say like, why are you spending this much money? Like, you know, I spent $43 on Blake Trinan with zero follow-up bids in the fi- the fab, but like well, my team, <laughs> I, but my team, though, I did. I missed my last saves guy, the guy I wanted to get in my draft. And I was like, okay, I just got to play the game of Fab knowing. But like, Trinan to me is the saves guy in the Dodgers. And, and if you look what's happened over the last two weeks in that bullpen, they don't have a guy that stole that job. It's it's going to be Trinan uh, as long as he recovers from what he's dealing with right now. So to me, that was an obvious overspend to make sure I could solidify that in the second half of the season on a very, very good Dodgers team. So, I guess I should also uh, specify for myself on the save point, Ty, uh, because I do at this moment in time only have two saves. I was like, Paul mm-hmm. Seawald with Seattle might not be the closer, but he will get closes. And yep. I think he's got one, and that was this week, and that's it. Just on that really quickly, Robbie, like I had the speculative bid a couple weeks before that on Andres Munoz, who I think by season's end, we'll be saving games for that team. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's just that there's a lot of volatility there, but I was like, even if he doesn't, I'm going to be able to get, you know, 100Ks from him and other things mm-hmm. that I'm okay with. And I said the same thing about Hector Neris. And then Kyle Finnegan, who I believe is the guy I drafted with Washington, I was like, I'll take a chance. It was him or Tanner Rainey. Whatever one's not closing, that's the guy that I got the not closer guy. And that's what happened was I went 0 for 3 on some on those closer guys. Aren't, aren't they both not closing at this point? Well, I, I was honestly I don't even know. Like I really don't. I'm just so pissed at that situation. Washington has the highest batting average of yeah. any major league team. Um, and their pitching is slowly starting to come around after well, kind of a crummy April. And, uh, but just, but that was that was it for me on the draft side was that I just I went with who will be the next guy up. And when Ryan Presley got hurt in Houston, I'm like, boom, Hector Nares, here we go. You know what he did? Not a damn thing. Not a save. Clay Holmes, I ended up picking up at your suggestion. You're like, yeah. well, you never know with Clay Holmes. And I'm like, you're right. I picked up Brooks Raley uh, just because I've been talking a lot about him. And I thought I may as well just get him for a buck. I did. And then I did the same thing with Clay Holmes, dropped Raley. And now I've got two saves, one with Seawald, one with Holmes. And it's not not fun on that end to just not have that option. But I refuse to spend money in fab for that one category when there's no way I can make up the ground required. Well, and part of the reason people are spending so much money on like saves, like I'm in the middle, I'm an eighth in saves with 12 and the leaders at 19, right? We're still fairly easy. Yeah, we're fairly early, but like there's a ton of room to gain some ground there. And, and I think with what I have in my stable, when Trinan's healthy, I should be able to gain there uh, because I think I have one of the better bullpens to to do that. And I have Gregory Soto in Detroit, who I believe will will get 25 to 30 based on the Tigers winning games barely like they're going to be capable of. Um, so like that stacked with Iglesias, who we talked about, and then Trinan on top of that. 
and then Andres Munoz taking saves in the back half. I like my chances because all those guys are going to be heavy strikeout guys as well, um, which is going to help my strong rotation. So, you know, those are things that as this draft unfolded, like I recognized my opportunity to be a, a pitching team. Like, and I, and I really leaned into that. And there's really only a, one other team that I feel took that. And I think for me, the steal of my draft, Robbie, was uh, Kershaw. We talked about that. Like, I got Kershaw in the 17th round. Um, Crazy. It's insane. But that we was all screwed that up. But everybody but you screwed that up. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to reach for Kershaw because he still was like mulling the retirement side of things. Like, at that point when we did that draft, like, and Kershaw really didn't say, like, yeah, I'm going to play guys till very, very late in all reality. Um, and so I was just like, listen, like Kershaw's like 33, right? There's no way this guy's retiring. Sure. Ballot hall of famer. He can't just retire at 33 just because it doesn't make sense. And he's, he's out there doing Kershaw things. Like I, I think he's extended his career this year. Not, not set himself up for retirement. So yeah, um, it's early. He's, he's still going to have his, uh, IL stint, IR, whatever stint. Uh, at some point in time, when when Los Dogers want to line him up, anything like that, because it happens every year. I have him in the home league tie. Yeah, you know. So, so the key I know is, what's going to happen. Yeah, but this is this is the key Tampa. This okay, is the I'm Tampa listening. Bay strategy. He's not going to play against teams that are going to play in the playoffs. So when St. Louis comes in, they're going to be like, "Oh, Kershaw's hurt, right? He's not starting this series, right?" When the Mets come in, "Oh, Kershaw's not hurt or is hurt." Like those are the matchups he's going to miss. Because then come playoff time, they're gonna forget how to hit Kershaw. That's um, that is some advanced level thinking right there. I like yeah, that. That's savvy, man. So that's if I could do that with my fancy team, we'd be laughing. I could play that game all day. <laughs> well, uh, we we would like to, and we said this before, um, but we wanted to have a couple of guys from the Surf League on when we were in those dog days of the summer to just kind of talk about recap what they were thinking coming into the season, much like you yeah. and I just did. Um, and then we would discuss what's happening. Well, and then give away maybe a few secrets for the end of season pushes and things like that, knowing that with the NFBC setup, you can't draft a guy who has yet to have an MLB at bat. Well, let me ask you this, Robbie, just because a it'll be fun to talk shit about them um, in in our league, but also praise in in some scenarios. So, like if you were to take one of the teams that is in this format, who is the team you would switch your team with, right? And, and then who who do you think had the worst draft? And and there's nothing – none of these drafts are bad because they're all good in their own way. And I said it earlier, there's some element of luck, right? Like you look at like Ryan's team in the three-hole taking Tatis. Like I would have taken Tatis too, right? And that would have been the worst decision made all season. There's nothing you can do about that. And it's going to impact Ryan's overall ranking in this league because he wasted his first round on a guy that's going to miss almost half the season. Um, right. And there's countless other versions of that in this league, but you know what? As it stands today, with all the injuries, the landmines that exist, and what you see the future out, like who are you who are you switching your team with at this point? Uh, like I I didn't look. I I'm having a very quick look now, but I mean, so many things have changed since that draft that I can't actually say for certain um, that I would take one person or not. Like Graham's team, which is first in our league. Uh, he has Dylan Moore, who was my final pick in the draft, who I who I dropped. He has Ramon Urias with Baltimore, who I have all the faith in the world in that he's going to have a good year. These are the bench players on his team, by yeah. the way. Uh, he also has Daniel Lynch, which pisses me off because I wanted Daniel Lynch. 
um but he and rosny Contreras. he he basically has like future dudes who could be of use including dylan moore um but on his bench you know i i i think he's he's got it he's done it well he's he's you know we picked robbie ray who i really liked uh, but the rest of the team, like it just doesn't look good, but that's what typically happens with your championship team. They have those yeah. guys who have breakout years and are, are great baseball players. Manny Machado, you know, probably the number one player across all formats right now. Um, yeah. He's got him, Josh Bell doing the same thing with Washington. He also picked up Yadiel Hernandez, who has been an average machine with the Nationals, somebody we talked about heading into 2021. Uh, came over from Cuba, took a minor league deal, eventually got called up with the Nats and was an average guy. Thought there was more to him. Uh, I I mean, you know, Graham's in first in our league, 16th overall. I guess that would be my pick, but I'd have to really dive in. But if we were to do this again with a, a guy or two from the league uh, sometime in, you know, July, August, I could definitely have had time to look over. But do you have a team that you think you would trade yours for? Cause I still believe in my core here. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think honestly, uh, Lax's team maybe be the team that I go with on the offensive side. Um, I just, I, like, I look at guys, you know, he took a Cooney in the first round. So like his offense now is already got him, really, right? yep. he's got, yeah, his offense is already in the upper tier in a lot of the categories and, and Acuna is only going to make him better. And, you know, contrary to what I've said all off season about, Acuna stealing bases like he's he didn't listen to me at all um about not doing it <laughs> he um, threw what you thought he just threw it right out the window he's like i'm gonna steal bases yeah i mean he's just stealing bases he's got um yelich uh, i'm scared of what happened with buxton and you know he, he basically said on twitter the other day like bye uh i'm leaving because he's talked up buxton and now buxton is is hurt again surprise surprise shocking um yeah but you know I did like his team. I, I like the upside, um, you know, and if Buxton's hurt, I certainly will change my position if Buxton's out for, for a while. But that's that's the one that I just, I guess, maybe I'm intrigued by, and, and mainly because I think it's the complete opposite of my team. Um, right. And he has room for improvement on the pitching side. Um, Cease has been excellent. Logan Webb is going to be better uh, than he has been. He's He's fairly solid um, with some bullpen arms that are just stable guys. Um, the, like the Craig Kimbrell zero ERA, uh, this week, uh, is, is fun or last week, sorry. Um, you know, and, and I, I think trying and coming in solidifies that. Uh, so there's just a lot there. Like there just is. Um, and so that's one that I like, uh, but you know, there's some other teams that I think there was just some early reaches, uh, that are, are, are hurting them really, really big. Uh, and maybe not, not the right place to call them out, but you know, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in terms of their strategies, just to understand if it was just complete fear of other guys in our league being ahead of them and them not wanting to leave the guy to the next round for that result. So I don't know how you feel about the reaches or or maybe what has been the result of those reaches. Uh, and, and frankly, honestly, your team is kind of one of those uh, that, that you got guys early. Uh, but I, I, I'm interested to see um where where it goes from here so well on as far as chasing goes i think you get your guys in your draft and then you reap the rewards or pay the penalty so for me the guys i reached on are guys who steal bases now i am first in the league in stolen bases but Mm -hmm. first by like one you know i've got 30 some stolen bases yeah i've got 30 you're gonna win stolen stolen bases bases by 100 
Well, but that's the thing, Ty. We're we're 30 some days into the season. I'm getting about a stolen base a day. That's great. But what I really want is for those guys to have higher run totals, higher RBI totals, yeah. a better average. And those are the things I was banking on. So where I reached, I now need to be patient and give my guys the time because unlike a dynasty league where I can just like maybe decide I, there's a better option out there at one position, I'm not about to go and try to turn my offense over in a redraft like this. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait it out. Now, the the downside of this is that I also designed my team in a way that I would be spending my fab on pitchers. That was the whole point. I was not supposed to be worrying about my offense. So when they're not clicking and I'm like, well, we're two weeks in, you know, not a big deal. We're three weeks in, not a big deal. We're four weeks in. Now we're getting into week five. I can't wait until week eight to start to kind of make some significant changes. So I'm moving around my bench pieces and that's where I am now. But um, again, fast forward two months, this can be a completely different conversation, but I'm certainly taking a patient approach to making any significant changes on my team. And, you know, if, if I saw like that, there was a setback with Strasburg, I would cut him and then that would become a very bad thing for me. But again, he was like picked in post 300. Yeah. He wasn't picked in my top 150. So um, that that's it. I, I feel like, you know, I, I like my team. I got faith in my team, but I also have to do work on the wire to bring in some impact, not just bring in, a filler here or there. And some of that impact is going to be two start guys who maybe get 11, 12 Ks this week. And I keep them for a single start the next week and it doesn't go well. So maybe, you know, over the course of 14 days, they get me 16, 17 Ks. That's kind of how I have to look at the future for my team because of what I've, the way in which I've drafted and I have to trust my offense to come back, but I'm certainly happy to put it up against Roto Ronnie's team and uh, drive him into the ground and make him feel shame. And we're all for that. Yeah, everybody wants Ronnie uh, feeling some shame. So, um, is there anything else you want to like touch on in this in this league? Or do we want to leave it for later in the summer? Is there anything that is is hanging in the balance? Let's leave it for later in the summer. Like all like good it. things with Roto, you just wait well, it out. And and one thing I want to say for anybody in the surf league that is listening, like I want to get a little bit more like back and forth banter and so y'all suck um you need to get better and i'm just saying that because no one's chirpy in that league and i miss that like we need to get that vibe going so let's let's get to that place i'll be the first one to start it uh robbie your team is shit and you oh need my to god improve on it. i went there wow okay well you can... <laughs> like you and ronnie are like the anchors of our league and i'm near the top you guys are just coasting off my success um so figure it out <laughs> all right well i'm gonna talk to you after my next sandoval mckenzie start and we'll see <laughs> all right because i am coming for you in the pitcher wins i think actually we're tied we both have eight wins until tomorrow anyway, yeah. we'll see <laughs> all right but great spot to leave it. We'll, like honestly, though, if anyone's in these in uh, a two catcher league in the NFBC format, uh, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you experience this year. Uh, it's outside of our comfort zone, if you will. So you know, we did some things that we don't necessarily love or always feel comfortable doing. So we'd love to hear from you guys again at Tourney Boss for me at Robbie Baseball One at Dingers Pod. But until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler here on Dingers.